at chapter 9, and that'll be page 1072 in your pew Bibles.
Would you stand with us as we begin our service with opening prayer? Brandon, would you kindly lead us in prayer? Will you take your brown hymnal this morning and turn to number 141, brown hymnal 141.
you have a favorite hymn from one of the hymnals this morning, make sure, Jolene, you're the first hand at the song. And a favorite Christmas hymn? From the red, we <coughs> find it. Pardon? 213, in the red hymnal, 213. And do you have a reason for this one being your favorite this morning? Or is it just this morning? Absolutely. Mr. Faithington writes that. Thank you. Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 2. It'll be verses 1 through 12, and that'll be page 1497 
in your pew Bibles. When you arrive at that, please stand with us. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born, in Bethlehem in Judah. They replied, For this is what the prophet has written, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Will you take your brown hymnal again and turn to number 151, 151 in the brown.
The scripture text this morning is Matthew 2, second chapter of Matthew's Gospel. In our last study, we looked at the very troubling engagement experienced by Joseph and Mary. What troubled Joseph most was the fact that Mary was obviously pregnant before they were married. He thought her to have been unfaithful to him. Mary chose to say nothing of what she knew and instead trusted the Lord to intervene directly. Her account was so fantastic that Joseph would not have believed it, though he loved Mary very deeply. So he planned to divorce her privately to avoid any public scandal and disgrace. And it was then that the Lord appeared to him in a dream and revealed, as he had done with Mary months before, that Mary's child was conceived by none other than the Holy Spirit of God. She was still a virgin and had not been unfaithful to Joseph. And God used dreams and visions in this day and age when the scriptures were not fully written out to reveal and disclose his, to his people what his will was and what had been accomplished. Well, upon awakening, Joseph quickly complied with the angel's command. He took Mary home to be his wife, and he refused intimate resist, relationships with her until after the birth of Jesus. Here's a verse in the Bible that says that. Why? Well, lest people conclude that he was Jesus' biological father when he knew he was not. That child within Mary was born, conceived rather, of the Spirit of God. We drew out a number of lessons. Number one, God's word records the truth, even when the truth lends itself to misunderstanding and distortion. In our day, we would call it the spin. People give a spin to a lot of the news that we hear today. Well, it happened in biblical times as well. We learn don't be quick to make a judgment call based on your observations. Your observations aren't always right. And they don't always have the, all the facts. Number three, sometimes people cannot learn from your explanations. God will have to intervene, and he is the ultimate teacher through the power of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes just be quiet. Let God deal with people, because they're not going to listen to you anyway. And lastly, we learn that Mary's child is aptly named Jesus. That's the Greek word for Savior. Because he will save, this is God's explanation, because he will save his people from their sins. It's God's work to open spiritually blind eyes and to grant insight and repentance 
to the heart. Not everyone that hears the gospel believes it, that's for sure. But those whom God works on in their life, <clears throat> they do, <coughs> excuse me, they do believe. Now today's study brings before us the tense account of the Magi and the murderer. As we come to this study, let us ask for the Lord's enablement. Lord, we're looking at some pretty serious stuff surrounding the beginning of the Lord's life among us on earth. And we're learning and going to learn today that he did not have an easy road. He had enemies. And those enemies didn't care that he was a baby. They were out to get him and to kill him if they could. And the world still has that mentality. Not to believe Christ, but to rather see him be killed and depart the scene. Help us to understand that our salvation is in him, your son, your beloved son, that you sent to the earth to accomplish the work of atoning for our sin. He would be the stand-in. He would step in. He would take the place of all who would trust him. Help us to understand this account of the Magi and bless us with appreciation in Christ's name. Amen. We're looking at the subject in Matthew 2 of the account of the Magi and the murderer. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem in search of the newborn Jewish king. And when you read the word magi, do not think magician when you hear that word. The Greek is magos, M-A-G-O-S. It means a scientist, an astronomer of Persian descent. Sometimes, because of a tie into the occult, they were viewed as sorcerers or interpreters of dreams, priests, of any oriental religion. We have such a person in the book of Acts, chapter 8, whose name was Simon. The scripture says, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. That's the idea of the word magos. Mega. Mega, big, great. I am Simon the Great. That was his boast. Acts 8, verse 9. But what was so great about him? <laughs> People's analysis is this. Let me read it for you. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a very long time. 
Acts 8, verse 10 and 11. You know, it's a thin line sometimes between true science and the mystical, between religion and the occult. This is what was occurring with Simon Magnus in chapter 8 of Acts. He used supernatural and demonic power to wow the public with his sorcery. The people concluded that he was, this is their words, the great power of God. They showed lack of discernment on their part. Not all things supernatural are of God. Satan is a supernatural being. That is, he's not a human being, if you know his history. Paul tells us, that the day is coming, let me read it for you, when Satan's false Christ will appear, and he says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 9. Unfortunately, the miracle seekers of our day proved no wiser than the public of Simon's day, who thought of him exhibiting the great power of God. We do associate miraculous powers to Christ Jesus' ministry, but we should also heed Jesus' own warnings about the end times. That's the times we're living in. Here's what Jesus taught his disciples. False Christs and false prophets will appear, and they will perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Matthew 24, verse 24. So if the only thing that you recognize about God is the supernatural, you are susceptible to the satanic world of the supernatural. Satan is the great imitator or counterfeiter of the genuine Christ. Now, what about these magi in our text? Were they scientists or sorcerers? Were they men who charted their lives superstitiously by the movements of the constellations and the stars? In other words, were they astrologers, not people of science involved in astronomy? Two different words, two different thoughts. Were they just men who studied the stars from a scientific interest? Yes, clearly they were men of science. See, how do we know? Well, they asked for the one who has been born king of the Jews, and reference verse 2, his star as the reason they have sought him out. 
This tells us that unlike astrology, which groups masses of people under the signs of the zodiac, these magi confess to seeing one star of unique formation and brilliance. Verse 7 tells us that this star was not part of any constellation because Herod wanted to know the exact time the star had appeared to these magi. Oh, it's a star that wasn't around, and then now it appeared. So it is a new star. Not visible before. It's a unique star. It's a star not part of the sky that formed the stellar library of their studies. What is more, this star moved from point A to point B and became their compass to lead them to the very place where Jesus was housed, verse 9. Their quest was explained to in their own words. Let me read it for you. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This tells us that these astronomers identified this newly seen star with the creative power of God. His star. Not simply the choosing of any star among the billions already created and putting your name on it but a star of his own creation, a star that moves like a plane through the sky or more like a helicopter, a star that starts and stops, moves again, a star that can stand still and hover over a product indefinitely just one place. And they see divinity attached to this star, and their plan is we have come to worship him. Verse 2. The one whose star has been their road map for many long and arduous miles. These men are coming from the east, from Persia. Approximately 600 miles away from Bethlehem. You don't travel 600 miles in biblical days on camels and make any kind of great time. You really have to be dedicated to where you want to go and when. The first look of the Bible, states of God. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. Genesis 1, verse 16. David, King David, when I consider your heavens, he's talking to God, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars 
which you have set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Psalm 8, verse 13. He's saying, compared to the stars and the universe, we're nothing. Mankind is nothing. We're a drop in the bucket in terms of wonder and 